0: Welcome to Machine Learning. Today I'll be talking about uh, how technology has helped remove borders and uh, the use of the internet has spread somewhat in the world. This hasn't spread. uh, E-commerce is still only a very small percentage of all the transactions that occur in the world. Uh, Most of it is done through... Manual processes or um, on site. But uh, the introduction to um, the usage of web services and um, the uh, advanced software has allowed borders to become less significant. And so Um, this is, uh, this is based on a book called The Borderless World by Kenichi Ome. And in that book, he says, even the original equipment manufacturers with captive technologies are not immune from dispersion. NEC uh, developed a state-of-the-art memory chip for its own mainframes, but it could sell five times the volume to other computer makers. So, and that's also very true of many other distribution systems. They disperse uh, Toyota's manufacturing lines, interact with other manufacturers. And um, in India, for example, uh, if I recall correctly, um Toyota's was, Corolla was one of the very most popular brands, and Kia bought rights to the small engines um, and received help from Toyota. So Toyota's engines are not only in Toyota cars, but they are also in uh, Mazda, and Um, in the small trucks, and also, uh, I believe, in Saturn. So you'll have to look that up, but uh, there is a dispersion pattern there. that's occurring. And so NEC could find, when it went out and looked at its chips, it could find that uh, there was a larger market for other computers to put its chips in. Partnerships. Nothing stays proprietary for long and no player can master everything. Partnerships are a key to the spreading of technology. And uh, so that, that is an important aspect. It, it's a dangerous aspect in some ways because once you enter into a partnership, that partnership can uh, shut down the company. So there is a risk to entering into partnerships, and that is that they can shut down your company. However, um, the risk-reward uh, is high, so the reward would be if they continue to support you, then you can grow the company fast, and your products will hit market, uh, market penetration. Uh, reducing fixed costs. To compete in global markets, companies have to incur and show and find a way to defray immense fixed costs. Automation has drove down the cost of labor out of production and manufacturing, and has become a fixed cost activity. And today we're entering in the second uh, automation or se- uh, fourth industrial revolution, which is automation, AI, machine learning. They are uh, being incorporated into the production systems. Uh, they make uh, are being. Uh, included in statistical decision-making, machine learning decision-making using uh, random forest, uh, logistic regression, deep learning neural nets. These uh, uh, reinforced learning, there's a number of different technologies, but they are being incorporated into production. And uh, the reason why is they found better Production efficiency, and as a result of the increase for efficiency, that reduced cost, uh, increased speed to consumer, and uh, and so the, the there's the, that's one reason why um, AI and machine learning in production is a big deal. R and D has become a fixed cost. With globalization, all major players in an industry are and may become directly co- direct competitors. You need your own people and your own labels. Fixed cost. Brand. Brand is a fixed cost. Many products, uh, for many products, a brand has no value. If brand recognition falls below a certain level. However, I would say that brand is very important because brand is comfort to the customer. They recognize the brand. They know that that's either safe or very good or exciting, whatever the emotional response to that brand is. Um, and so from a marketing and sales standpoint, brand is very important, but if it does fall below a certain level of concern where brand, uh, if you, if you looked at like, say, for example, Harbor Freight ranch versus a Sears ranch versus a Costco ranch, uh, you, you're probably not looking so much at brand as you are, uh, at what is the best value to quality, uh, to price. Some products you can better use the same money to enhance commissions. So the sales force will push them. And, uh, that's very important part to your business is sales. And, uh, so diverting a portion of your money, uh, from profits to sales is very important. Uh, is IBM, Japan, an American or Japanese company? It's workforce is 20,000 Japanese, but it's equity holders are American. IBM has provided three times more tax revenue to the Japanese government than Fujitsu. You know, and that was interesting. I read this uh, review out by McKinsey, and they pointed—he pointed out that it's about 50/50. In other words, uh, there's 50% companies working in Japan that are American, and there's American companies working in America producing, like Toyota has plants uh, in America. And when you weigh out the amount of revenue that they generate uh, for their respective governments, it's about equal. The government role, people have become more informed and clever as real consequences of living in a truly global information era. And now governments have become the major obstacle for people to have become, have the best and cheapest from anywhere in the world. What the energy crisis has taught us is that for a short term that the have nations can create a supply shortage if they gang up. However, over a long period, Alternative supplies develop and the economic principles of supply and demand prevail. Uh, that's so true of OPEC. OPEC uh, for a long time was a cartel that controlled the oil supply through the London uh, oil trade exchanges. Then you saw innovation uh, from America we, through hydraulic fracking of the rock and uh, high-pressure oil. Uh, Extraction of shell oil and that immediately produced a huge amount of oil on the market. Um, and so th- that created a new supply, drove down the price of oil, and continues to be a threat to, uh, to Middle Eastern oil as far as uh, supply. And, the, you know, um, if it hadn't been for the junk bond market and the derivatives market, uh, creating instability for finance for the oil companies uh, due to over-excess speculation, excess debt, um, that the, the oil fracking would have continued to drive down the prices uh, supply had increased because there is a huge abundance of natural gas and oil um, in the North Dakota, South Dakota, Texas, Montana, and even Wyoming, which is largely untapped. Having an abundance of resource has truly slowed down a country's development because bureaucrats there still think money should solve all problems. The key to success is shifting the focus from resource to a marketplace. The government's role then is to ensure that its people have a good life by ensuring stable access to the best and cheapest goods and services from anywhere in the world, not to protect certain industries and certain clusters of people. That's huge because... uh. In the case with Japan, where there were the government was uh, not allowing certain companies to fail um, and they were supporting other companies through buying stocks on the stock market, this created an artificial prosperity for those companies and um, they were not allowed to fail. And so now you have good money chasing bad. Uh, You have these companies that are not competitive and producing value ma- managing to survive into longer term and uh, they're not solving the problems that the market wants. And so as a result, um, it's not creating a stable environment. It's actually creating an instable environment that is eventually going to have to correct And when it does, it will be a huge cost to the taxpayer. Every time governments try to protect resources, markets, industries, and jobs, they cost the taxpayers dearly. We saw that with the bailouts. We saw that with the the stimulus packages that have been initiated. They're going to raise taxes. Government officials exercise power by regulating and deregulating the market, but their new role is to assume a back seat, not a driver position, and make sure that their country is benefiting fully from the best-performing corporations uh, and producers in the world at the lowest possible cost to their people on a long-term basis. And that's what every country that is uh, abundantly wealthy wants to do is reduce down cost and uh, make resources products and services available to the people at a lower cost when you have monopolies then you have artificial barriers that form that cause competition to not enter into the marketplace and um, prices go up so it would be the role of government to ensure that monopolies don't exist and hence there are the anti-monopoly laws uh, service sector in the U.S. The service sector represents seventy percent of the workforce, and we saw that if that were true today, we would have it would have accounted for a much larger percentage of unemployed uh, as COVID hit. But um, at this time, that he wrote that he said he claimed that 70 percent of the workforce was was um, was service sector, and. If you look at that, then if you assume that two thirds of those jobs are government related, then that could uh, be very supportable number. The cost of manufacturing is about 25% of the end user cost. So that means that um, they're, they're fairly efficient, but uh, definitely could get more efficient, maybe save another 3% through automation. The leading edge producers have all but eliminated simple labor from production and use robots. And that's coming. Those robots, uh, they've reduced down their cost. Um, their uptime is very good. They, they don't, some of them don't even have to come to off, offline for maintenance for over a year. Um, they're very reliable. The chips don't burn out. The motors don't die. Um, and so they they've... The uptime is has been achieved through better engineering and higher quality products that they use in their supply chain. Value chain produces high quality and cheap products in a global interchange economy. That's true. The most value added is the marketplace because in the marketplace, you have diversity of products and services. And uh, then the supply uh, and the demand curves will tell you what the indifference is by the consumer, whether if there's a high indifference curve, then it means there's lots of co- competition. If it, if there's a um, if the low indifference curve, then it means that there are new innovative products that are hitting the market and creating uh, new markets. And so that's, that's very important that, that that exists so that new innovative products and services can come to market. Governmental preoccupation with production forces, uh, cause them to hang on to old and in- incompatible industries, disserving the customer and the taxpayer. And that has been the biggest problem with uh, communist economics is that they hold on to old and incompatible industries and they produce things of uh, that are disserving to the customer. The customer doesn't want uh, certain products that they, b- they build, but they just build them because they that that is an old technology okay moving on equidistance Japanese engineers working for different companies in kyushu a small island only a hundred kilometers away from South Korea um, where you could catch a late flight on Friday evening to South Korea work privately for South Korean semiconductor companies this was illegal and violated employment agreements the exchange of knowledge made semiconductor design and software similar throughout the world. The Japanese learned to tailor the products to local market interests, needs, and preferences rather than create a global market. Companies that are globally successful in white goods focus on close interactions with individual users, whereas those that prosper with equipment installations focus on interactions with designers, engineers, and trade unions. <coughs> so there, uh Kenichi, he shows, he says that uh, that interaction, he says this was an illegal and violated employment agreements. The exchange of knowledge made semiconductor designs, methods, and software similar throughout the world. You know, it's uh, interesting that effect because you, you look at uh, a lot of the electronics that are coming out of the world out of South Korea, you have l g you have samsung um, you have other South Korean products that are now in the top ten and uh, it and those then that knowledge came from japan and where did the knowledge that of semiconductors from Japan come from? It came from america uh customer oriented strategies Japanese auto companies are caught between a low cost producer, Hyundai, and a high-end producer, Mercedes or BMW. Now, Hyundai has really done a great job. It's, uh, I'm going to share an analysis on Hyundai tomorrow, but uh, to illustrate how well Hyundai has done in terms of achieving their goals. But they are no longer a low-cost producer. They produce high-quality, stylish products. Uh, Koreans, Hyundai, Samsung, and Lucky Star, uh, Gold Star produces high-quality products. Half of it costs what costs the Japanese. The Japanese are caught in the middle. If you're a Japanese leader, what do you do? First, dramatically reduce the content of labor and production and push towards full automation. Examples, Nikon Seiko, Mazaki Machinery, Fujitsu Funuk. The second... Way is squeeze is to, of the squeeze is to move the up market towards higher margin products. That means you're going to produce a Lexus. You're going to produce a Acura. You're going to produce a high end product with a higher uh, margin. Culture, corporate culture, and price cutting instincts will work against the move, as low cost marketing games feel comfortable and predictable. Sometimes getting back to a strategy means getting back to a deep understanding of what the product is. Basics of sound management mean looking closely at the customer needs, thinking deeply about the product. Demand uh, Do more, better. Create a second demand boost market is the key. If your goal is to beat competition, you win by narrowing your field of focus and doing much better. But why do companies stick with devotion to a course that is obviously self-destructive? Their stubbornness, intensive rivalry, com- companyness, inescapable defeat or uh, retreat phobias, nationalism, correct action did not occur because the situation did not become painful enough. And that's interesting. It did not become painful enough, therefore they did not change. And the consensus from the group was that they were doing the right thing when they weren't doing the right thing because the results proved that they weren't and because they were semi divorced from the market the markets uh, they did not feel the punishment of abandonment of their products and services by the market and so they continued to do the wrong thing Companies uh, get much of its strength from its consensus building mechanisms almost over visible before corrective action will occur. Maintaining customer relationship through good service is now the key to success. Measurement counts. Measure the powerful and often invisible influences what you think and do. Okay, in short, I think that uh, Kenishi Omi's point that he makes about the companies did not do the right thing because it was not painful enough is the whole thesis of this book. Um, it, you know, to make the argument that it's about globalism and the breaking down of barriers and, you know, the flight out of America to China for manufacturing, that is really not what he's saying. I think uh, even though there are motivations to seek higher profits by corporations at the expense of jobs, um, I think his point was that any time governments become too involved in the business sector that it's going to be a burden to the taxpayer. That's the point because things do not come painful enough. Companies that invest in bad investments don't liquidate and uh, and, uh, poor performing companies are allowed to be treated as the same as high performing companies.